In this episode of The Ziegler Show, our focus is how to create customer loyalty. So I asked listeners two questions. How do you create goodwill and customer loyalty in your business? And then what businesses have your customer loyalty and why? And I was fishing for something Tom Ziegler and I came to in Ziegler Show episode 892 about what some businesses are doing beyond competing for price and even quality to wow their customers. I mean, we all think we do a great job providing our product and service, uh, a better job than most, actually. Yet, most every business person I've met has some frustration with customer attrition and losing them to competitors. So here we talk about how you can own your customers for life. That's the point. And it's a significant message for all of you who are in business. You're going to glean a lot from this one. Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller. I host three podcasts where we have candid discussions regarding the root issues of personal change and growth. This is The Ziggler Show, one of the all-time career podcasts in Apple Podcasts, and our focus is growing your professional success by helping you grow into your full capacity. My Motive podcast is devoted to the reasons that drive you. And my True Life podcast is aimed at getting you fully functioning physically so your body doesn't hold you back. You can find all three shows in Apple Podcasts by searching for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. Tom, this question of what businesses have your loyalty and what do they do? What was interesting to me as we're going to do this as the first question, the first part here honestly, it was how few there were. And it reminded me of the May 19th, 2021 episode we did was titled, Get Someone to Inspire Your Life. And I had asked the question, who do you have in your daily life? Who does inspire you and lift you up uh, and motivate you to you know, better yourself? And th- there, there really wasn't any answers. And it just belied the reality that few of us have a person face-to-face in our lives that inspires us, that lifts us up on a day-to-day basis. Well, similarly, I think this kind of outlines that there is not a whole lot of customer loyalty out there. And as I thought about it for myself, you know, what businesses actually have products and services that I use on a consistent basis, fairly consistent, have my loyalty. And there's really not that many. Uh, that was the disappointing news. Now we're going to read through some disappointing news, but then on the flip side, it showcases what great opportunity there is for us to create customer loyalty in our businesses, uh, because it is so, it is so rare. So I hope that that's what the show does is it equips everybody to start thinking outside the box a little bit. Think how can they create customer loyalty outside of thinking they have the best product or service? So there you go. You ready to go through some? Absolutely. Let's get after it. All right. Interestingly, a lot of them were just big name companies. The first one, David Powers, he says Chipotle. He says they have good food, fair prices. They're well sourced. But during COVID, they pivoted and modified, did everything they could to keep the standards high and food going out. A lot of brands and businesses lost my loyalty during the year of COVID, not because of politics or mask or anything that specific, because they didn't even try. That was interesting. And I do know, it seems like the people in my life, I don't eat out a whole lot, but the people in my life, uh, Chipotle seems to have done a good job of making fans, uh, of creating customer loyalty. And again, I haven't been there a whole lot, Tom, maybe you're familiar with them more, but uh, I, I, they're, they're one that gets talked about a lot by people who seem to be loyal. Yeah, and, and weren't they the ones that went through a lot of challenges a few years ago? Yeah, they did. I, I remember that. So they had kind of a test drive um, with their own localized yep. uh, health consideration. I think they had some food sources that had some um, some health issues, and they kind of had to reinvent some things. Yeah. And, you know, I think the comment there he said, you know, some people didn't even try. Mm-hmm. And I think as, as consumers, as customers, we understand the place is busy. We understand that things are kind of on edge. We understand that uh, I wish things could be a little bit different. But at the same time, if we don't see any trying going on, 
it makes us want to look somewhere else for somebody who is going to try. Yeah. I, I actually enjoy waiting a little bit. I mean, I have my limit, but if I see the people running, right. Like if they're hustling, if they're like, sir, we'll be right with you. If they are, uh, you know, moving things through and they acknowledge that there's a situation, I kind of enjoy that. And I almost feel like you get a higher quality product and experience when they are busy. And I love that. I mean, it, and that's purely just attention to detail and an attitude, which is positively contagious. I, I like that. Yeah. The idea of sometimes it stands out when there is a problem and they overcompensate. They almost create more loyalty by the opportunity to overcompensate for a problem. So that's what David's you know, speaking to, you know, on that, and I posted this myself as well. Uh, one in my town that has my loyalty is Starbucks. And I tend to try to do, you know, local privately owned overall and not do the big franchises and whatnot. But in my little town, there's not a whole lot of coffee options. Uh, and this one, they just, I, I think Starbucks in general does a pretty good job of customer service. This one is significantly better than the ones that I've experienced throughout the country. They're so over the top with just trying to uh, have great customer service. And, you know, I'm a, I go in there enough that they do know me and cater. That doesn't mean the other coffee shops wouldn't if I went in there frequently as well. But, uh, you know, I'll sometimes get flack from my, some of my kids for going to the big chain place, but man, they take care of me. Uh, they really do. So I trust that. And I'll tell you who got the number one vote, Tom. You'll appreciate this Chick-fil-A. No, no surprise, right? I mean, here, here, I'll read a couple. Chris McNall, Chick-fil-A, speed of service, ease of, order, ease of ordering. Douglas Holland, Chick-fil-A, excellent food. More importantly, what they teach their employees, how to be, or how they, how to be as a person uh, is key. A servant heart, courtesy, manners, responsibility. Kirk Billiter, uh, my city's Chick-fil-A has incredible service. A three-lane drive-through with multiple order takers, money takers that come up to your car window, even in the coldest winter days. Never await. Fast service, my order is consistently correct. They teach our employees to take responsibility and engage personally with customers. I love my drive-through conversations with their employees, which of course during COVID is all they've had the opportunity to do. Bill Garner, Chick-fil-A, uh, MJ Jones, uh, Chick-fil-A is the big box, the only big box corporation uh, that, that stands out. Jennifer, the customer service at Chick-fil-A is so outstanding. It puts all the others in my area to shame. Uh, that's that one is probably one of the most consistent, at least from a national chain that I know of, Tom, is Chick-fil-A. Got to be number one. And I know you appreciate that because you've uh, you've done some things with those folks. Yeah, amazing. Uh, just just good, good uh, people. Uh, Dan Cathy, who was at our office and, they, and we asked him, we said, well, what is, you know, what's the big goal of Chick-fil-A? And he just kind of laughed and he said, you know what our main mission is? is to turn 15 and 16 year old barbarians into young gentlemen and ladies by teaching them how to uh, say please and thank you and my pleasure. <laughs> so, That's great. You know, and, but what's interesting to me, and, and this has kind of come to, uh, the top of the surface here. So I'm going to bring up a current event that's going on right now. Uh, in the tennis world, a woman tennis player named Naomi Osaka. I don't know if you follow tennis, uh -uh. but she was playing in a tournament <clears throat> and she withdrew over the weekend. And it kind of bubbled up because she won and then she um, – was expected to go to a press interview. And she said, you know what, from the stress, from the anxiety, from everything that's going on right now, I would really, I, I'm going to miss the interview. Well, they fined her $15,000 for not showing up to the press interview. Wow. So the next day she writes a very well-written, very professional letter that says, Hey, I'm going to withdraw from the tournament. Uh, you know, I hope everybody understands. I've just got some things that I've got to take care of. And she kind of pointed out this need to, for self-care, for her own mental health. And it, and I don't know the backstory. I don't know what's going on in her life. Uh, but 
what it made me realize is that there is a real trend going on in the world today when it comes to employees and customers. So and I want everybody to just kind of just kind of hear this. The definition of success in the corporate world prior to the pandemic was results oriented. What did you do for me today? And the payoff for that was increased financial capacity, right? You get paid more money, you get job security and everything else. Well, now after the pandemic, everybody or a large percentage of people are turning around and saying, wait a second, does what I do really matter? Is, am I in the career that I'm supposed to be in? Is, is doing this every day, even though I've got momentum, even though I've got experience, even though I've been doing this for maybe a, quite some time, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? And so the value of, so, so performance used to be based on do the job well, get paid well, do use that money to buy the things in life you want. Well, now it feels like that there is a shift that performing well means not just money, it means balanced success. Hmm. Because what, what this tennis player was really saying, wait a second, yeah, I'm the number two ranked player in the world, and yeah, there's a lot of money for me to stay in this, but my mental health is important to me. My relationships with my friends and family is important to me. My physical health and well-being is important to me. I mean, money's only going to do so much. But there are, I think I read this week that 3 million women who were working, who are moms, whose whole lifestyle has been upended because of the pandemic and taking care of kids at home, they're actually, a lot of them, probably not going to go back to work because their values have shifted to the family. And so my question is, who are you loyal to? I think, and this is a, and I'm just going to ask you this. I think we're going to start being loyal to companies that are loyal to their people. Yeah. Because the reason those kids at Chick-fil-A do so well is because they really focus on for that period of time in that young person's life, creating the whole person. It's not just say, my pleasure, please, and thank you. It's, hey, the reason you're doing this is because this is going to serve you well when you go to school. This is going to serve you well when you go out and pursue whatever your main career is going to be, if it's not you know, owning a Chick-fil-A location someday, right? They're really serving the whole person, and then that shows up in the demeanor of these young people and how they treat the customer. Because if a kid's saying my pleasure and they hate saying it with a snarl, it's not gonna work, right? These young people take pride in how fast the line moves. They they take pride in all the positive feedback that Chick-fil-A is always getting because when there's a traffic jam because of an ice storm on the freeway, the store packs up 500 bags of free food and passes it out. Yeah. Right. I mean, they like being a part of that because they see the organization treating the customer just like they're being treated by the organization. Well, and look at the payoff here. We are talking about them. I know it's, it's unbelievable. And so one of the things that the, the book that I just rewrote and put in the last little bit on is really saying is that, you know what, uh, disruption is coming faster and faster and people's values have shifted to quality of life and companies that recognize the importance of quality of life are going to be the companies that, that attract and keep top performers and top performers, because when they when they are rewarded on the job and the company treats them with respect and has a growth plan in place for them, they're going to turn around and treat the customers amazingly. Um, I mean, I think uh, Trader Joe's came up in there. Yeah. 
Yep. Uh, there's and a bunch. Yeah. Trader Joe's, they want their people stocking when everybody's there. So the customers can have communication with the stockers and say, where is this? And it's, it is taught that if you're stocking at Trader Joe's and a customer needs some help, you take all the time you need to help them. Wow. Wonder why that showed up in the comments here. Yeah, multiple, multiple times. Uh, Scott Cuso, he says, Trader Joe's, while the products and prices are great, it's the staff that sets them apart. They remember and use my name. Uh, Carrie Mitchell, Trader Joe's. Options are great healthy products that are affordable, taste tested, and marketed so people will buy off brands from a typical, uh, typical grocery store. They also hire happy professionals that love working there. I, I mean, you're talking ultimately, well, you said a couple of things there, like with uh, Chick-fil-A giving away food. I mean, that was really kind of them. It also got them a lot of great press. I want people to hear that, that we, you know, doing the right thing. It reminds me ultimately of Dina Dwyer, our friend Dina Dwyer, who uh, was the CEO of uh, the Dwyer Group, which became Neighborly, which heads up a lot of franchises. But she wrote the book Values, Inc. And I remember when we had her on the show, we were talking about them doing the right thing. They're so focused on integrity and morals in the company that that's what the company stands for. And then we also looked over here and saw how much they were making. You know, it was $2 billion they grossed that year. And so what we came out with on the show says, so not only is it the right thing to do, it makes a lot of money. I mean, it's a really hard to not uh, say, why isn't everybody doing this? And I don't know. And so we come back to Chick-fil-A and they give their employees a purpose beyond just get them a sandwich. This is classic Simon Sinek. And starting with why, we all know the why. We all know the why of Apple. They want to be different. And so people gravitate there who want to be, you know, different. And so we've come over here with Chick-fil-A and everybody knows what they're about. And that causes their detractors as well, uh, which is also does them well for business. They are people who like them, love them. And those that don't, that's okay. They go somewhere else. Meanwhile, Chick-fil-A, well, we're again, we're talking about it. And you know, we talk, there's so many companies that will say, Hey, this is what we stand for. But do, do your employees really know what that is? Do they know what your company is, is about? Do they know, does the public know what your company stands for? Cause you know that Tom, a lot of companies have their mission statement back here. This is what we're about. That's not what the company's known for. That's not what their product or service is known for out here. And the employees know that they take that on and embrace that as this is what we are working for. And it's, offering a burger or a sandwich or it's no, we're, we're supposed to be blessing people in essence, such a gigantic difference. Again, so rare. And we all get to do that. You're listening to the Ziegler show and this episode on creating customer loyalty for your business. Next, we hear some testimony for a convenience store called Bucky's, And we get into the value of not trying to bill yourself as better or best, but simply different. A bunch of people, Tom, talked about uh, Busey's. You familiar with that one? I had to look it up here. It's like a new, uh, they have fuel car wash. It's like a convenience store, apparently. But people, a bunch of people said that. Oh, um, Bucky's. Bucky's. Oh, okay. See, there you go. I don't, I'm clueless. Is that a down south thing or something? Uh, they're growing. Uh, I love Bucky's. We had three or four Bucky's. people talk about how awesome it was. You know, what it is. Um, it is. Do you remember Stuckey's back in the day? The old yes. Stuckey's? Yeah. So Stuckey's was the place when you went on a road trip, you stopped, you got gas, you went in and you got stuff. Okay. So Bucky's like, like one of the people like Bill said, it's the Disney world of convenience stores. I mean, <laughs> that's funny. It's got, I don't know how many gas pumps, 60 or 80 in these places. Really? And you wow. go in, they have bathroom attendants. So okay. they got known for being the cleanest bathroom in the country. Wow. And then you go in and you're like, you know what? I'm a little hungry. So you go over to their counter and they've got like 32 kinds of homemade beef jerky. <laughs> I mean, it's like, okay. You like it sweet. You like it hot. You like it Asian. doesn't matter. They got it. And then they've got all this stuff, nuts and desserts and soda fountains and, trinkets and and toys and 
You know, and everybody wants to get the little Bucky Beaver, right? The beaver is their mascot. The beaver's out okay. front. You can buy beaver paraphernalia when you're inside. And you could just see, just like in our day when I was a kid, it was like, there's a sign for Stuckey's in 37 miles. Yeah. So we're all stopping, right? Hold on. And same with Bucky's now. They're doing the same thing, except for they have great prices on the, I mean, fair prices, good prices on the gas, cleanest bathrooms ever. And there's something for everybody on the inside. And you don't want to hurry. Everybody's friendly there. Um, Interesting. So it's, it rem- I remember it was an old story and I'm going to get it wrong, but it was the number one gas station in the country for a while. And it was on one of the highways back towards that was ta- that would take all the vacationers up to Yellowstone. Okay. And it was in a stretch of nowhere and their billboard, and this is before cars had air conditioning and the billboard said, stop here and get free ice water. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> so, you walk in and it's packed because they wanted free ice water when they got there. And for, for the people who were on a budget and that's all they could afford back, that's what they got. They got ice water. Yeah. But everybody else was like, man, this place is pretty cool. I'll take some of this. I'll take some of that. Fill up with gas. Well, it, it belies the, the idea of us trying to always be better. I mean, that is the consummate thing. In just a second, we're going to get into what people are doing. But I don't think people believe it anymore. They don't believe better. Even me. I mean, I, so I have all Apple products. And between phones and iPads and laptops and desktops... I, I don't know. I'd have to sit here and count. How many do we have in my family? 15, 20? And it's all Apple because it's what I know. Do I actually believe Apple is better? I have no idea. I'm not a tech guy. I just, I got turned on to it. It seemed more intuitive than Windows. And now I just know it. And I've told my kids, even though that other, that laptop seems comparable as half the price, it's not worth me trying to figure it out and help you with you know tech support, at least when they were little. And so, but different. But I do like that they have this, kind of a different image, you know, so they're different. And that was, we had Christopher Lockhead on the show a long time ago. He was co-author of the book, Play Bigger. And that was one of his mantras. Don't try to compete for best, but compete for different. So here you are with Bucky's, and it doesn't sound like, I'm looking at their website, it doesn't sound like they're saying, hey, we have the best gas, or we have the best barbecue, we have the best whatever, but it's a different conglomerate. So what are we going to do? I mean, how can you be a plumber and say, I am absolutely the best plumber ever? Well, what does that mean? You show up a little earlier, you do it a little quicker. I mean, ultimately if the pipe holds and it's not leaking, how can you be the best? There's probably, you know, a hundred other guys that could do that or gals that could do that, but can you be different? And you just, we're we're talking about people here. They're different. Nobody said I go to Chick-fil-A because they have the absolute best chicken sandwich on the planet. Nobody talked about that. That's interesting. Trader Joe's, they didn't say they had the best product or best, uh, you know, best service. Starbucks, do they have the best coffee? No way. Absolutely not. Chipotle have the best burritos. No, but they're all doing something a little different. And I I have to pull myself back to that, Tom, because we all want to think, no, I have the best product or service. We can't do that. Is is ZLC, Ziegler Legacy Certification, the absolute best seminar to go to to increase your business? Now, that's guaranteed right there. Oh, well, okay. Well, we'll set that one aside. But what's different about it? You're going to go there and, well, my testimony was I I came out, I wanted to be a better human. That was the biggest testimony. Uh, And I felt like I was now part of a family. So those two things. So does that make it the best business conference? Well, maybe for me, because I put those things as high values. Maybe another one might have had more tactics on something. I don't, I don't know. But would they have given that to me? So that's a standout. And if you value those things, then, that's, then, then there you go. There were a couple. Were you going to say something? Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking about Apple. Okay, so okay. here's an Apple story that I, that I remember. And it was this business analyst and he was talking about Apple's domination yeah. in their market share, in their market. And he said, he said, look, compare them. And I don't remember the name of the company, but I think it was Dell. I'm just going to use Dell. Okay. We could use Dell. We could use Microsoft. We could use IBM. And he said, you know, all of these companies put out really good products, really good computers. Mm-hmm. He said, but 
when you see an Apple desktop computer, none of the others even compare to it. And then he made this comment, isn't it interesting that any one of those is gonna produce millions of units, right? There's gonna be millions of desktop screens, whether it's Apple, whether it's Dell, whether it's Microsoft. Wouldn't it make sense for Dell or Microsoft to go and pay $2 million to the most uh, respected, innovative industrial designer to build a beautiful shell to put your computer in mm -hmm. like Apple did? But nobody thinks that way. Because when you, let's say you do that, that's like, that's chicken feed when you compare it against millions and millions and millions of units of something, right? It's like, you can have the best looking aesthetic uh, piece of desktop furniture for, you know, pennies or dollars on a $2,000 unit or a $1,000 unit. Why wouldn't you do that? But then Apple went even further and they said, you know what? When you open an Apple product, we want it to be a religious experience. <laughs> it's brilliant. I mean, how many people do you know who, when they buy the new Apple product, they get out the little scissors so they just, they just barely open it, right? Because they don't want to damage the packaging. I mean, not that in the Apple boxes, they sit around for months. Yeah. Even though you're never going to use them again. Yeah. But they said, what if, what if we just made this the greatest experience? And so when I, earlier in the sec, in the podcast, I said, here's the shift, okay? You're going to see the companies that have been very customer focused, just like Apple was in all of that experience at the customer and they're going to have to, to basically take the wheel of life that Ziegler teaches. They're not going to call it the wheel, but it's we'll call it the quality of life. And they're going to realize that in order to create customer loyalty from their customers, they're going to have to pay that much attention to the wheel of lives of the people that work for them. Hmm. If you're a business owner right now and you're looking for the competitive edge, just know that the way you're going to keep and attract top performers is the, the attention to detail, detail that Apple had in the customer experience. You're going to need to have as the owner, as the leader, as the coach leader on the life experience, the, the people that you work with. Those values that companies put on the wall and say, this is how we treat our customers. How are they going to walk those same values out with the people on their team? Yeah. And the tennis player, that's just, that's just a random example. But what, what it's really saying is, hey, I'm a professional tennis player and I'm part of this organization uh, that allows me to earn money and I'm in a crossroads in my life. So how is that organization going to respond to all the other players and say, hey, you know what? Quality of life is an important part of what we do as well. And, and they didn't have plan B. They didn't say, well, hey, would you feel more comfortable on a Zoom meeting or could you do it uh, tomorrow on your day off versus right after? I mean, there was no plan B in the scenario. It was like, you have to or we find you. Oh. So little little things like that are going to happen over and over again as people realize that there's more to life than being a production of unit working somewhere. Yeah, again, you're 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 outlining that that we can't be we can't establish ourselves as the best, but we can be different and stand out. And I'm thinking of examples, Tommy. Like you know, take jeans which I live in when it's not summer and I'm living in shorts, take jeans. Can you really say, cause anybody out there saying we have the best jeans. I mean, it's a commodity, it's denim created in some, you know, fashion. And I could find a whole bunch of brands of jeans and you could not tell apart. So where do I get mine? Outer known. 
Kelly Slater, he's a surfer and he was bent on sustainability. So I actually pay more for my jeans that probably aren't better than another brand, but I appreciate what they stand for. Every time I put them on, they've got a message inside on the pocket that says, talks about the people who created it. I think I want to support that. I want to be a part of that story. I want to associate with that. And when I think about that there is so much in our branding position. Why do people want to associate? So if you can't establish yourself as the best and you're going to put 10 other competitors that are comparable on the list to decide who do you want to associate with? It's going to associate with you. Chick-fil-A has made their stand really from a conservative and, and even a, a, their Christian organization. And they made their stand. Everybody knows that they're closed on Sundays. They get made fun of and they have incredibly loyal people who love them for that. So what can you do to say, hey, here's what I stand for? And whether it's a, a, a religious belief or whether it's the sustainability or, you know, I was thinking about, Tom, you know, my little town here, we have three uh, Mexican restaurants. That's what we have up here, which is actually a lot for, for up here. We have three. We go to one. Why do we go there? Because they have really cool chairs. I have no idea if they have the best burrito or if we did a comparison, what some food critic would say, but there's one, it's kind of crowded. I don't like it. One's in a strip mall. It just doesn't quite have the feel for me. And this other one stands alone and my kids call it the happy chair restaurant. I forget what the name of the place is. It's, we call it the happy chair. That's where we go because it's happy chairs. So that's what they did to stay. They have no idea that we go there because of their chairs. Uh, but it was the only thing, it was something different and attracted my kids. And you're talking about, you know, with Apple, their design. I mean, I'm sitting here typing on it. Why should I care about the design of this thing? And yet you can spot them yeah, a mile away. I always, I always comment on movies. The majority of movies, when they pull up a laptop or an iPad or whatever, the majority are Apple. And you can easily tell if it's not Apple, I can't easily tell kind of like cars these days going down the road. When I was a kid, you know, you could pick out and know that's a 1950 Chevy. Well, I'm not that old, but you know, my dad would be pointing out these old cars or, you know, that's a Jaguar. That's a Porsche. That's what we were into the European cars today. For the most part, I can't tell. Is that a Jaguar or a Honda Accord? I can't tell. And so the cars that are differentiating themselves still stand out. And you wonder why didn't everybody do that? But we don't, we tend to. And I'm, again, I'm guilty of this often that I just, get into the, the same and to try to stand out and say, we have integrity and morality and what everybody else says. There are a couple miscellaneous ones here. I mean, not big box, Marty Winger. He says my local, local advanced auto parts and the fat toad brewery, both for similar reasons. They know me by name. They have me on caller ID. They customize their service to my preferences. Uh, which they took the initiative to learn. David Tree says, uh, quick trip. It's a chain gas station. I go out of my way to get gas there. Their gas stations are always clean, well lit. Uh, the employees get you in and out quickly. And their egg rolls are as good as most Asian restaurants. That's different. And then Tara Nuts in here. We have a tire and mechanic shop in our town called TJ's. They have taken such good care of me over the years. They're honest, kept my car running when I was a single mom, always gave me a great price. And just a few months ago, they even took care of my daughter and her car while I was out of state. No questions asked. They said they were not worried about the payment immediately. They knew I would take care of it when I got home. And I will support them no matter what because they support me no matter what. Jeez, and I forget, I'm looking at my, my mechanic. I can see his place across the, the way, the last thing he did for me was fix my van before we went on a, or my kids took it on a cross country trip. He didn't really have time, but he fit me in anyways, didn't even have time to make an invoice. And he says, Hey, I know you're good for it. And we left. That was about two weeks ago. And I just remembered I never have paid him. Uh, but that's the kind of relationship that he has. He knows where I am and he takes care of it. And that is so rare these days. Well, Tom, I mean, those are great outlines there. Can, how about let's go through some? Because then I asked people, that was a second question. How do you create goodwill and customer loyalty in your business beyond price or even quality? You ready? <clears throat> Sean Langwell, he says, I'm in sales. So first key, and this is classic Ziegler sales. First key is to understand the person's business. So he must be selling B2B. I do that by asking clarifying questions. So they articulate the problems they face and ask how they plan. I ask how they plan to solve them when they are involved in the process and understand the solutions I offer. They become loyal. Uh, there is also the post sale follow up and follow through without being a pest. When I deliver results, help solve their problems, they trust me, goodwill, and become loyal. And I like what he says that when they are involved in the process, again, it's it's this is written in, you know, secrets of closing the sale. 
this is part of Ziegler sales training, but most of the time we look at sales, you know, this, and we look at how can I sell the product to that person? How can I get them to say yes? And he's saying, how do I get them involved in the sale? It's such a different paradigm shift. Makes me feel in control. Makes me trust if I'm on the receiving end. The scalability of trust, like Seth Godin speaks about. Absolutely. Uh, and and it also goes back to relationship. I, you know, we, we uh, at Ziegler, we do a Monday morning devotions. Yeah. And uh, the guy today was fantastic. And he said, you know, the most powerful and beautiful thing that you can do is to show up as you. Hmm. And he was talking about story and he was talking about how our lives, you know, we relate to each other in story. And so when you come out as the authentic you and, and you, that is where the power is. That's where the beauty is. And when we express that in a business relationship, what do we do to, to build goodwill? We're just, we're us, right? We're not, I mean, we're professional and we're getting the stuff done, but we're personal and relatable. We are communicating with somebody who's trusted us to do something. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, when you make a sale, do you say, Oh, I made a sale. Or do you say, wow, I, I earned somebody's trust. Yeah. And if we say I earn somebody's trust and your main goal is to maintain and keep and grow that trust and that changes the nature of that relationship. Well, back to Chick-fil-A and they're saying, okay, your kid, your job is not to, uh, your primary job is not to deliver a quick sandwich and a good sandwich. Your primary job is to, you know, wow, the customer there, you saying that in sales, my primary job is not to sell. It is to gain someone's trust. And you, you said the word communicate Jeff Gallup. I know Jeff, and he just flat out said communication. Uh, that was it is how he builds loyalty and goodwill in his business. And that one there, you know, to me, if the customer has to call you for an update, you lose. If the customer has to call you for an update and my, my story, a primary one, Tom, that has always just astounded me is back. And I've talked about this before, back in my one W2 job as a, as a young adult with Churchill mortgage, which Dave Ramsey listeners know Churchill mortgage. And we tried to increase repeat and referral business. One of the things was communication. So this was part of my job is to look at every phone call that we got. What was it about? And so it was just a constant tally of what are the customer phone calls? Oh, they were wanting to know this. They were wanting to know this. They were getting an update on this. They were frustrated with this. And everyone that, that we had, we also kind of did it on, on the timeline. Okay, this call came from the customer five days after they came in for the loan. This one was 10 days. This one was 20 days. And we looked at that and literally created pre-pint. And this is back before the internet, right? So we had a box. So I had a secret or a receptionist and back behind her is a box with 31, uh, you know, cubbies, uh, mail slots. And so when we had customer a come in on the first of the month, so here they are, here's their appointment. First of the month, we would pre-print out 12 letters, and they would go in the appropriate slots, like every other day. It would go in for the Jones. So my receptionist would come in. Now it's the ninth, and she would just pull the ones that had been pre-put in there, you know, uh, maybe a month ahead ago or before time. And she would pull those out and send them. The responses that we got from people, they said, oh my gosh, I've never had so much great communication from a business, not much less a mortgage company, but from a business. And I actually felt a little guilty, Tom, because the the response was so raving, such a raving review from them. And I kind of felt bad because I said, gosh, we pre-printed these out before you ever came in for your first appointment and just stuck them in there. And I, I almost felt bad. I had to have somebody go, no, but yeah, but you address the issues that you know, statistically that they're going to have. And so before they had that concern or had that issue, they got this letter, the phone calls went down, the customer satisfaction went up. And part of the, one of the letters was asking them for uh, re referral business before the deal is even done. And it was astounding just to look at communication. And yet again, in businesses these days, I am used to, and we expect, especially in the service industry, like home services, you expect to not hear, you expect it to be the time to show up and the person doesn't show up or you expect, you know, they've done a little work and then they go away and they don't show up for a couple of days. And we just expect that again, what a massive opportunity for someone just to be in communication and going back to what we talked about earlier, even if you mess up, overcompensate, 
uh, which we did here at the, when I was more involved with the medical clinic here, I bought a stack of, I think, $15 Starbucks gift certificates because Starbucks is real close to us. It said, look for reasons to pass these out when we mess up. So if there's any hiccup, anything wrong, look for a reason to hand out. So we want to get rid of these. Uh, that's what I tasked the staff with. And such an opportunity to overcompensate. So back to Jeff, co- communication. I, I think I, I've all, and I'll, I'll, anytime we bring that up, Tom, I'll have somebody point out the exception of, yeah, well, I had one company communicate too much with me. That was a hassle. You know what? For every one person that you're a hassle to, you're going to wow 20 of them or 19. I'll make the math right. So uh, I would veer on the side of over-communication. Yep. And that communication, I think, uh, in your example, you were mailing them actually letters through the mail. Yeah. And that's communicate, but be different in it. So today the mail is different, right? People get tired of email. They get it constantly. They know you're on an, on an autoresponder or part of the list. And so the, the printed out stuff, the handwritten stuff, the nice card, that's where you stand out. And we had that. So thanks for bringing that up. Jennifer Beaumont, De, De Beaumont. She says they do thank you notes in snail mail right after Anne Marie or Amy Marie says, uh, that's how we do it too. They're always well received. I, man, I know I get a couple per year, Tom, from businesses. Now, not from, I get them sometimes from, you know, from guests on the show and things like that, but from businesses whose money, who I gave my money to, uh, once in a blue moon, somebody will have me on a, birthday list or something like that. And, you know, it's easy to look at it and go, Hey, that's just some pre-printed thing, but man, it's, it's something, it's something as opposed to nothing. And it's something that keeps them top of mind. So the next time I need them, I've shared this before that there's, I have these huge septic tanks out on my property and, uh, it's, it's very important that they don't over overflow. The guy who did it however many years ago was great. And this is the last time I did it. I just couldn't remember his name, never heard from him. And I called somebody else that I got a referral to. I just couldn't re- remember the person's name. This guy came out and did a great job as well. And I kept his receipt and, and put it in a place where I could look for it next time because I don't expect to hear from him and I haven't and I won't. They don't usually do that in those types of businesses, but what if they did? I mean, I'm going to be using him. And then we get into the lifetime value of a client, which we're going to talk about here in a second. But uh, so Soma Hathaway, she says, well, this may not resonate with everyone. I pray for customer loyalty and goodwill. I ask for an increased capacity to see the needs of others and how my talents and abilities can best be used to serve them. Right after that, Amy Van Slambrook, she says, us too. I was just doing my devotional on this and Jabez prayers. I'm always serving with excellence, building stronger, deep relationships, which builds referrals, reputation, and trust. But going to them, kind of like Chick-fil-A, they promote you know, a higher purpose in what they're doing. It's a why which again, I don't know that it's best. We're not sitting here, Tom, I'm for one, I'm not saying, Hey, everybody, you know, if you're a faith-based person, if you're a Christian, you should lead with a cross and a fish, you know, on the front of your website or your stuff or tell everybody you're Christian, Christian, but for them to know your story, to know what you're about, to know your why, why are you serving them? It's so important, but it's so, that'd be another, that'd be another survey. Think of what are the businesses you do business with? And do you know their why? And that prayer, uh, what that does is it changes the motive of the interaction. Yeah. I'm there to serve. I mean, ultimately, goodwill, I think, is primarily derived from the customer knowing that you're there to serve. You're there to solve problems. You're there for their interests. Yeah. And what a better place to start than with with praying about them and how you can serve them, how you can see the challenges and the needs they may have that maybe you can come in and be a solution to. Absolutely. And I, you can hear the thread here all along. It's never been about the product yet. We've, re- we've really not had anybody talk about the product for the most part, not in the businesses that have their loyalty and not how they gain loyalty. It's in the serve. Well, I should say their product or their service. It's in the customer service of delivering that product or service. Scott Womack here says, do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it for the price you say you're going to do it for. It's absolutely amazing how people don't do this and return phone calls. It's unbelievable how many people don't return phone calls, which I agree. I don't even expect that anymore. Jessica (laughs) Smith Moyer, our Ziegler legacy certified coach. She says, be honest and true. 
she says, I'm honest and true to my purpose. And I treat people so they know I care about them and not just their money. Um, again, we, we speak to that, but how often do we really put that into practice? This is interesting, Tom. Marianne shuts, she says, above and beyond customer service and community involvement. Uh, because we had another one here, Amber Hendrickson. I know Amber. She says, giving back to the community that supports us, becoming a dopamine dealer by giving people a smile or a laugh when they interact with us. She has a food truck. People desperately need a shot of happiness in their lives and look forward to coming back for another hit, remembering their names and information about them so they feel like a person instead of a number, inviting them to participate in our business, asking opinions, implementing suggestions, voting on next specials, et cetera. Uh, man, that's so, so community involvement or engage. Can we say engaging with the customer? It's pretty significant. That reminds me of uh, a place we used to stay at Disney world. We used to stay at the wilderness lodge and the dopamine hit. So they had this breakfast place. It, it was a cafe, but you know, most people were there for breakfast or, you know, kind of a hamburger type place. And they have this deal that, if you need ketchup, so you ask the server, can I have some ketchup? And then the server starts screaming out, we need ketchup. And then all the tables around who have ketchup on the table, they start passing the bottles of ketchup from one table to the next. And then in, in 60 seconds, you have literally 30 bottles of ketchup on your table. And it's fun. I'm, I'm sure they probably had to change that protocol a little bit. I was going to say, yeah. Hey, that, that's one. It's interesting you say that, Tom. So again, I don't eat out a whole lot, but if I do, a common place that I'm going to go for is a burger. Uh, I'll do a veggie burger or a fish sandwich type of thing and sweet potato fries. I don't do regular potatoes. They bother me some. So that's, my, that's one of my gigs and I'll go. Now for me though, and this is contrary to my health and wellness uh, regimen, it's just a delivery methodology for ketchup, barbecue sauce, ranch, actually just any kind of sauce I can get. Yeah. That, that, remember the old like schoolhouse rock kids, you know, training stuff that don't drown your food, man, that did not take with me. And it's amazing how often I have a hard time getting enough sauce. Uh, they'll bring, especially now COVID, they give you the little packets you know, stuff like that. My gosh, again, another place. There you go. So they wowed people with sauce. Well, there's, I do want to talk about lifetime value of a client because that's what we're talking about here. There was a bunch of responses that you guys can go find on here. I mean, uh, Katarzyna talked about just generosity, giving the customers something a little bit extra. Uh, Brian Gross, he has an insurance company and he really focuses on customer experience. So extras, experience, what is that? Do we think about that? Do we think about, okay, what we're thinking about product or service, but what did the customer experience? That goes back to the mortgage process, which is, you know, most people, it's such a hassle. That's what we saw. How can we make this a good experience or at least not just a really bad, stressful uh, experience? Uh, Robert just talks about being consistent. Uh, Renee about genuinely caring. So, so many things, you know, in there, but what we're talking about, and I want us to just drill into this and anchor the show with it, Tom, is lifetime value of a customer that we don't tend to look at. We're all out there trying to make the next sale of the product, of the service, whatever that is. And so I want everybody to think about that as an exercise right now. What are you selling what is the cost? Think about the last person you sold it to. And did you get them a good product, a good service? And that was it. Now you're off and you're giving great focus to the next person, as opposed to looking at that last person and think how often could they possibly buy that product or service again? And are they, did I give them a reason? Am I going to continue to give them reason to come back to me? One. And two, if you looked at every single person with the possibility of giving you even one referral, now I'm going to look with any business at the possibility of a lot more referrals from any one customer and treat that person with the lifetime value, which we talked about this in a show before Tom, but and if you've got some other resources, but I'm still a fan of these books that have been around a long time, customers for life, how to turn that one-time buyer into a lifetime customer. That's Carl Sewell who I knew is famous for Sewell Cadillac. Now I think they have a lot of car uh, cars they represent. Crowning the customer, 
by Fergal Quinn, and then Raving Fans by Ken Blanchard and Sheldon Bowles. Now, those are all written a long time ago before before computers and internet. I think there's a lot more opportunity to stay in contact with people today. But right there, Tom, thinking about lifetime value. And honestly, I will toot the horn of Ziegler. You guys do such a great job of anybody who comes in to Ziegler. They purchase a product. They come to an event. You treat them like they are now part of the Ziegler family. And you stay in contact and it's motivating to want to stay apart. And again, back to that association, I want to associate with Ziegler. Ziegler is a brand of trust. Ziegler's done a great job of being a brand of trust. It's one of the reasons this podcast does so well. People know the name, they trust the name and do a good job of bringing them into that family and treating everyone like a customer for life. But again, Tom, I've just, we've known this. those books were written so long ago. You've experienced some shining examples I just can't help being blown away that it it's so, so rare to have anyone give you that value. You know, Carl Sewell, who you mentioned is legendary in his service approach. And in fact, uh, their head service advisors will make uh, six figures because they understand the lifetime value of a vehicle. I had a car buying experience. Gosh, it's been over 20 years now, uh, 25 years ago, 24 years ago where I bought a car from Sewell and then three months later bought another car from a competitor, equal value cars, almost, almost the same. Uh, one was for me, one was for my wife. Here's the biggest difference with Sewell. The buying of the car took about 20 minutes. Wow. And then when I went to pick it up, they spent nearly three hours with me going over every part of the car, introducing me to the whole service team, giving me the full Sewell experience. It was washed. They, they did everything. It was amazing. And when the plates came in, they called me and I drove out and they washed the car and they had me meet people I hadn't met the first time and they put the plates on and it was unbelievable. The second car the, the buying experience was like two hours. It was just this painful. We wanted that car though. And then when we went to pick it up, they literally handed me a sheet and they said, this shows that we went over this, 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 and this. If you sign off on it, we'll give you a free uh, oil change next time you come in. <laughs> wow. They were literally trying to game the customer service program system so they could get a higher rating, right? Two different experiences. I drove the Sewell vehicle for 17 years. Wow. The other vehicle for less than three. It, not only was it a, not a good vehicle, but we had a bad experience every time we had service. Yeah. When I went in to get the license plate on that vehicle, they gave me the license plate. This is a car, a very nice car, brand new. They didn't offer to put it on nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, it's like what's common sense isn't. Yeah. What should be common practice isn't. It's so easy to separate yourself. So to this day, if I have an opportunity to buy a car from Sewell, I will. I mean, if, that's, if they're carrying the car that I want, that's where I'm going. Do I care if I pay a little bit more? No, uh, because on on the one car I had, the air conditioner went out earlier than I thought it should. But I'd done the service just like they wanted to every time. So they went to bat for me with the with the manufacturer. It was out of warranty. They said, look, here's the reality. You're in Texas, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm going to talk to the manufacturer. So they ended up doing it for just the cost of labor. No, no parts or anything else. Why? because I'd referred other people there because I'd brought my car for service there because they had a relationship. And guess what? They got two or three more cars out of the deal for me. It, and here we are talking about them. That's what gets me. I know. We have a huge listenership in that area that can go buy something uh, from 
Sewell. I mean, if we go back, just like you talked about with sales and said, the job is not to sell the product or service. The job is to gain trust. Totally different thing. We, we just had Michael Jr. on the show again, a comedian, a Michael Jr. And he talked about the dramatic shift for him and for his overall success when he switched from going out on stage to get a laugh to giving a laugh. He said it changed the whole way that he approached people and how he served them. And it's obviously done, you know, very well. So if we look at this look at our product or service and say, the job is not to sell it. The first job is to, or the bigger job, you know, once we do that is to wow, how do we wow the customer? That's the biggest job. How do we wow them? So they'll come back. And I was, I, so Tom here, just real fast. I just did a couple bullet points when I was thinking about the show a couple of days ago. Um, I talked about in the show we recently did my wife just getting the front end of her car redone at a local body there. We only have one local body shop and I could have gone somewhere else down, down the mountain, but went there and they did what we paid them for. They put the bumper on. And so we, she came back, she drove over to my office afterward and she has this nice brand new pristine whole front end of her car. The rest of it is disgusting. We live on a dirt road. It had snowed recently and it was, I was like, seriously, they, they just did their job and didn't clean the rest of the car. So if you're a mechanic, body shop, anything, if you'll do like the one mechanic does in town and pay some kid minimum wage to take 10 minutes and wash the car, it makes me feel like my investment, the money I wish I didn't have to spend to repair my car was worth so much more. Clean the car. Any mechanics, anybody doing car work, there's an opportunity. I was thinking about a window cleaner. You know, somebody do come in and they just, they just see that they cleaned your windows. Well, that's what I expected them to do. And I thought I was sitting at my house and I was looking out the window. What could they do? What if they gave me a birdhouse, a little $5, $10 birdhouse and hung it outside the window or even said, hey, you can hang this out. Now you can see it perfectly. Hey, that's something different. I was thinking about a carpet cleaner. We've got lots of carpet cleaners in the, in the, uh, audience here. And I thought, what about them? I thought, what a great gift to leave. Here's my thought process. I thought this was, I thought this was pretty smart, Tom. You ready? They have the opportunity to leave their client a gift. They're going to clean the carpet. It's going to be clean and leave them something like wine or pet food or something, which is really easy to discern because they're coming in to clean the stains off of somebody's carpet. Now, if they come to my house, they're not going to have pet stains because we don't have pets at your house. They might have pet stains and they could even ask. It'd be a great little survey. Hey, we're going to come in and clean the carpet. What are some of the key things we need to look for? Are there food stains? Are there specifically wine stains? Cause that's one that's purple and hard to get out. So that's a hard one. And if people on food say, no, if they say wine, no, well, then don't leave them a bottle of wine. That's probably not one they do. How about pet? And they say, oh yeah, pet stuff. Oh, they have pet. Leave them some gourmet pet food or a gift certificate to Petco or something like that. It'd be an easy one to do. Again, just to find some way to wow them. We have so many coaches, Tom. Uh, obviously you do with Ziegler so much coaching of coaches and with them, we had John Rulin on the show. It's been a while now, but I, I, I become friends with John last names, R U H L I N. He wrote the book giftology gifts uh, the gifts for success. And in there, he talks about how to give gifts that are really for, uh, the person it's not, he even takes away and says, give him a gift. Now his, his favorite one is Cutco knives and he actually has a partnership with Cutco. So when he wants to wow you, you're going to get a, a set of Cutco knives. But guess what? It's not going to say John Rulin or say his company on there. Or if you're one of his clients, he's going to say, don't put, don't put Ziggler on there. Put the person's name. So I have this whole array of really expensive knives that have my name. It says Kevin and Terry Miller. They're all engraved. You know how many people? Yeah, you do too? There you go. How many people have I shown that to in my house? Because they see mine. Oh, you got the cut knives. Oh, yeah. And one of my kids will usually do it. Yeah, look, it's engraved. It's got our names on it. And I'll never forget John. Here I am talking about him. John, go get his book, Giftology. You can get it at his website or go on Amazon and do that. But for the coaches out there to give a gift you know, that really stands out. You talk about wowing people with a $300 knife. And you, I think you can get a discount and stuff on it. But I mean, again, what can you do to stand out, to be different to Tom, as we were saying, to wow the customer? There's such great opportunity to do it because it's so dramatically rare. I'm excited. Let's, I, I want to go buy some retail businesses just so I can do this, Tom. All right, well put our thinking caps on. 
How can we keep wowing our customers? What can I do as a podcast? I'm going to create a scratch and sniff podcast. I'm the only podcast you can get a smell. It's going to be really good coffee. <laughs> Somebody needs to create an app for me for that. Um, that would be perfect. That'd be perfect. Well, good stuff. I'm inspired. Uh, tell me, I'd love to hear more stories of people who are doing this and creating loyalty. All right, brother, let's go uh, create some customer loyalty. What do you think? Uh, that sounds good. Be blessed. I think we need to get tattoos to remind us of this difficult truth that doing a perfect job is often not enough to claim customer loyalty. Someone else can always come along with a new and enticing offer. We've got to tangibly go above and beyond to wow and claim our customers for life. Coming up in episode 897, we get to come back with Mark Victor Hansen and his wife, Crystal Hansen, and walk through their daily habits for success. It's always extra interesting to hear from high-powered couples like this and see what habits they enjoy together and what are unique to them. 